your boy DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built to Buffalo Podcast Network. What's up, Bills Mafia? I'm your host, Mike Lindsley, all a part of the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Make sure you download, subscribe, leave feedback, and five-star reviews to the network. And of course, get us on YouTube. We just surpassed 50,000 followers on Facebook as well. So you Bills fans have been absolutely amazing. The best fan base in all of football. You can hit me on Twitter as well, at Mike L Sports. I have a really special episode here to bring you. We're going to bring in Miami Dolphins great Richmond Webb uh, played a little bit with the Bengals after his Dolphins tenure, but was really a terrific offensive lineman, a, a borderline Hall of Famer, um, seven-time Pro Bowler, two-time first-team All-Pro. Uh, and you know what? He went up against the Buffalo Bills a lot uh, from 1990 to 2000 against a guy by the name of Bruce Smith. And so let's bring in Dolphins great Richmond Webb, who's also very excited about the upcoming season. We're going to get into his fish, our Bills, and a bunch more in between. Richmond, thank you so much. How are you? Good, good. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. Uh, let's waste no time. I mean, this AFC East this year is going to be pretty fun, man. I think uh, last time I, I chatted with you, we were kind of talking about how, you know, if the Jets get a little bit better and the Dolphins get a little bit better, um, you know, and the Patriots are always kind of hanging around and the Bills right now are the class of the division. Well, guess what? We're, we're here. You know, we're, we're here at that point that we were talking about, and it starts with Tyreek Hill to Miami. How about your thoughts on the division? Oh, no question. Uh, some of the additions that the Dolphins made, I think, definitely is going to complement Tua. Uh, I think the thing now is you got the player developing that chemistry and knowing what you got to do to transfer it to where you can be successful on the, on the football field. But they definitely, um, I thought, did a really good job this offseason adding, you know, weapons and key position to surround Tua so he could take that next step and become the quarterback that they expect him to be. So you obviously played in the league for a long time. You helped protect Dan Marino. You know how hard it is to become an elite quarterback. I've always felt, Richmond, that half of it is on the quarterback in terms of developing, you know, uh, learning things, working hard, uh, keeping his body fit, all that sort of stuff. And then the other half is what's around me. You know, did, did, did the front office bring in weapons? Do I have the right head coach? Do I have the right coordinator? Is there consistency, continuity, all that sort of stuff? When you think back to Marino and you think back to facing Jim Kelly and uh, all the quarterbacks of today from Josh Allen to Patrick Mahomes to everybody in between, where, where do you think the balance lies then for Tua? Is it straight 50-50? Has he got all of his weapons? Has he done enough on his own? Where, where are we at here with how it works for him? Well, I think you got to. I definitely think they they provided him the weapons. Uh, I think with the new coach also, Mike McDaniel, the things he was able to accomplish with the 49ers and can get even close to that. Um, and our defense uh, continues to play it the way they played the last couple of years. It takes a lot of pressure off them, but it also increases the production of your offense, which in turn should uh, equate to more. Uh, wins and losses. So, um, you know, the last couple of years, I think last year, I think we was a win away from making the playoffs. And then two years ago, we made it that, you know, we lost the first game in or whatever. So um, I think that's definitely one of the keys is um, building not just to make the playoffs, but to get that first win. And I think they're doing things to change the culture around there to say, okay, 
sometimes you just got to get in the in the in the postseason, and then being able to win a game, and hopefully you can get that first game uh, at home in front of your fans because it's definitely always tougher. I thought going on the road versus playing at home, but you know, if that's what you got to do, you still got to go out and execute. That uh, those are some of the things I think that uh, with the new coach, um, the weapons that he's been surrounded with, if the offense can kind of you know step up their game a little bit and match what the defense has been doing consistently the last couple of years, we should be a playoff team. And I I think that's what's got the fan base so excited. When you watch the Bills, when you see what they did in the offseason, how do you beat them? Well, I think think it's going with the speed we got with, like you say, Waddle, Cheetah, Tyreek Hill, the the weapons there, decent running back. They made improvements in the offensive line. It's not saying that you can't be beat, but I think it's just um, defense coordinators have got to figure out how do we take away something from this or try to force them to do, you know, either become one-dimensional. I, I think that's the thing that's tough. And, um, you know, even speaking with, you know, even talking about the AFC, so I still think until it's proven Buffalo is the road you got to go through to win the AFC. So, I mean, they have definitely continue to get better and better each year. So um, I think that's the thing that Dolphins got to look at is right now I look at, you know, the Bills at the top of the division, but if you want to overtake them, that's the team that you're going to have to beat and you're going to have to play much better and much more consistently because they continue to get better as well. And the Patriots are not far off. So the, the, the AFC East to me has become a lot more competitive just based on what a few clubs have done mm-hmm. uh, this offseason to make it a little bit tougher where, you know, before it was the Patriots and everybody else was just kind of not really, really good. So it was a little bit easier to run through the AFC East. But now I think it's going to be a little bit tougher. But I still give Buffalo uh, the edge because they've won the last, you know, few years of AFC East and they continue to get better and better. And they were basically a game away from you know, uh, possibly making the Super Bowl. So they've really gotten back to the old days back when I used to play when Kelly, Reed, Thurman Thomas, you know, Bruce Smith, Cornelius, they had players on both sides of football and that team was really built built well. And, you know, Coach Marv Levy just now had a lot of respect for that because that what they were able to accomplish, you know, they didn't win the Super Bowl, but when you really look at that team, break them down, um, they were probably one of the top teams in the NFL at the time. Okay, so it's really funny with the Patriots now, right? I mean, they haven't had Tom Brady for a couple of years, and you hear the Patriot fans talking to Jet, Dolphin, and Bills fans. You know, uh, uh, well, you know, come on, of course you guys. The division was handed to you because there's no Tom Brady, and, you know, da-da-da. Well, they still have Bill Belichick. They've had some bad drafts, and, and I hear that all the time, you know, from people on the New England side, you know, like, well, the Bills are winning the division, but it's just so easy for them, and the other teams are so bad, and this and that, and I'm thinking, can we can we rewind a little bit, you know, like, all the teams were, all the teams were bad pretty much during the Bill, the Bill, you know, Bill Belichick Brady era, and in the 90s, the Bills steamrolled the AFC East, and everybody else was bad, it, that's just sports, right, Richmond, that's the NFL, it's cyclical, and once a really, really good team gets up there, and then they come back, then other people kind of, you know, work their way back up. That's just how it works. 
they're, they're getting a taste of what we've, we've gotten for so long. And, and like I said, when the Patriots was up there, they didn't want to hear anything about, you know, everybody else is bad in the division, this and that. It was all about the Patriots. So, you know, if you got to take your good times with your bad. Not saying that they're fair weather fans or whatever, but don't start making excuses now. You got to go through whatever what we went through when y'all were on top. So that's the way I look at it. And I agree with you, Mike, but people will try to make that argument when they've had success for so long for that length of time. And then you kind of should change another guard, you know, and I, I think eventually they knew Tom Brady was going to um, get replaced or eventually have to retire before a guy to play that long and then leave there and then go win a Super Bowl at Tampa Bay. You know, it's just... That's just rubbing salt and wound. But he'll come back and, and retire Patriot. That's where he spent the majority of his career. And I don't think it was I don't think it's any ill will feelings or anything. I just think he wanted to continue to play and at the time that wasn't in the Patriot plan, but didn't mean that somebody else welcomed him and gave him an opportunity to continue to play the game he loves. There are multiple national NFL media people though who had a scoop on this that Brady was going to get part ownership of the Dolphins, be the quarterback of the fish in 2022 through whatever transactions could be worked out between Miami and Tampa Bay. And, of course, maybe that lures in Sean Payton to be head coach. It was going to be a whole deal, a whole package thing. How would you have felt if Brady was a Dolphin going into this year? And do you think that he still could be? Because a lot of people think, Richmond, that this is a possibility after this coming season that what I just talked about is going to come to fruition. Sean Payton will have a year of rest. Brady, new environment, another team. Brady and the Dolphins, could you ever see it? Would you like it? Uh, I could possibly see him being an owner. Um, Like you said, he's probably played, what, 22 years now well, i know he's over 20 so making it through this season i'm not saying he don't take really good care of his body and the way the nfl is now the way they protect the quarterbacks he possibly could play possibly another year too because he just does a good job with the nutrition and really taking care of his body but long term that would be for me a short-term answer but i could see him getting in the ownership side that seemed like there's something that would keep him around the game as competitive as he is. I could see him being really good in the front office. Of, um, kind of like John Lynch, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's made strides with the 49ers. Some guys just transition well into that, and I could see Tom doing that. Yeah, um, yeah. there's a lot of guys like yeah. that, you know, like Ozzie Newsome, John Elway. I mean, there's guys who, yeah. have, who have done it uh, for sure. Uh, Dolphins, great. Uh, Richmond Webb with us here on the Pandemonium Podcast on the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. Just an unbelievable career for Richmond, of course, a part of the uh, the 1990s All-Decade team, a two-time first-team All-Pro, and, uh, of course, uh, a Dolphins Honor Roll member, and you can get him on Twitter. He's a great follow, at Richmond Webb. In fact, on Twitter, Richmond, your cover photo is pretty sweet. That left to right, that's you, Dan Marino. Who else we got in there? Uh, Keith Jackson, oh, Jeff Jackson, Ross, yeah, yeah. and... Um, yeah. Pete Stonovich, okay. he was kicker, so yes. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's probably back from 93, 94, yeah. something back in that, and we took King pitches. That was a great pitch. I hadn't changed. I probably need to update it, switch it out. Oh, I love it. It's great. It's stuff, great. So. Yeah, yeah. So when you would go into Buffalo in the 90s, did you did you dread going to, the, to, to face the Bills in Western New York, Richmond? I didn't dread uh, going against them. You know, the thing with playing the Bills back then was that they were just always – 
a notch better. It was always a play. It seemed like if we had to settle for a field goal, they would make a touchdown and that would be the end. And it was sometimes seemed like whoever had the ball last um, could possibly win the game. But that was the thing with that Bills team was that, you know, they had, you know, Lofton, they had Reed, they had Steve Tasker, which was uh, probably one of the best special teams players that I've seen that would just knock mm-hmm. you, you know, he'd go hit a linebacker and you don't find many receivers his size that was, you know, that aggressive. And then, you know, you get on the, you know, Henry Jones, you got Bruce Smith, you got Daryl Talley, um, you got you got Biscuit, you know, I, Nate Odoms. I mean, I can just go on and on because I, Bryce Pop, I remember facing those guys. And not that you liked them, but you had to respect them because continue to come up with the plays to win games and you know they had a great a great coach this and that so i had a lot of respect for them even though we were division rivalries this and that and you know once the game was over um um you know respect them and, and to have a conversation with them and it, it was no ill feel it was just you know when it's time to to, to play between those hash marks we got to get it on but after that i think they respected us too but they would just a little bit better. We couldn't get over the hump, and I think that's why they made uh, went to four consecutive Super Bowls, and they had some really good teams. And um, so I, I tip my hat to them. Um, they had some really, really good teams, and I tell people don't just focus on the uh, Super Bowls. You don't know how hard it is to go to four consecutive Super Bowls back to back to back to back. And I always thought they should have won the first one. I guess the Giants kicked their field goal, and I think if you know you win that one, maybe it changes the scope of things. But uh, I have a lot of tremendous respect for the Bills. It's just they just my arch rivals. So, but I, I give credit where credit is due. They were really good team. I know we we shouldn't mostly go down this road of well, if this person gets into the Hall of Fame, then that person should, or whatever the case may be. But there is evidence out there that there's a case to be made for somebody if someone else gets in from a comparable position or a similar position. And Tony Baselli recently got into the Hall of Fame, and a lot of people paraded for him to do so. He, he made you know went on a lot of interviews. I'm sure you know Tony well. But, Richmond, your career is pretty similar. I mean, you were an unbelievable player. You played uh, for a time period that was uh, a little bit more than him, actually. I mean, he only played in the league for, what, seven, eight years. Um you had an unbelievable career. You're an all-decade guy in the 90s. I remember watching you every single Sunday. I watched you against Bruce Smith in those battles, which I'll get to in a second. Are you a Hall of Famer? I, I definitely think I got the uh, the numbers and the accolades to get in there. It's just, it just takes some guys you know, a little bit longer. You know, Tony made it in this year. It's always good when you get another offensive lineman in there. So yeah. I was happy about that, but... Um, well, I'll, can, I'll campaign for you. I think you're. I think you're a hall. Of, yeah, I think you're a hall of famer. People, yeah, people feel you should be in there, and then you know someone else goes in. A lot of times, that's when the 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 comparisons go and this and that. And I don't really try to compare myself. I just say, you know, based on what I did on the field, my my resume kind of speaks for itself. So definitely think I'm deserving of it. It's just my wait might be a little longer than the next guys, but. I still believe I got a shot to get in there. What was the hardest part facing Bruce Smith? (laughs) 
60 minutes of hell. I mean, <laughs> he did everything good, you know. Yeah. He's one of the best pass rushers, uh, played the run, uh, played at a high level, and that was a guy that we had to know where he was at all times. All the time. and, you yeah. know, a lot of times he would line up over me and then um, in third down situations, he would jump over the center, over the snap hand, and he was just, he could re- rush from several positions, and I think that's what made him so tough. But he definitely had that account where 70, 78 was for the Bills and know where he was and try to keep a hat on him or, you know, slide the protection to him, this and that, because that's the last thing you want him to do is disrupt, you know, the offense or swing the momentum of the game. And he always had that capability to do that, uh, whether it was on a run, hitting a guy, forcing a fumble or, you know, a sack for, for a big loss or turnover or whatever like that. You always tried to keep guys like that contained and, if it was 60 minutes or even overtime, you, you had to keep your chin struck buckled because he was coming. It wasn't a question of whether he was going to take a playoff because I don't think he knew how to do that. <laughs> you know, and you were 6'6", you, six, six, I believe. He was 6'4", so he was able to kind of utilize other parts of his game in order to make up for the couple inches because you, that, usually that's a big deal sometimes, right? Yeah, and, and, and really, even though he was 6'4", his arms were really long. Yeah. I don't think his arms were long as mine, but considering he was 6'4", he had some pretty lengthy arms and yeah. just used his, you know, his hands really well, knew how to keep guys, you know, getting them off shedding blocks and just, you know, a lot of times he could beat you by going right. It seemed like he would accelerate. He could kind of lean, and, and once he got around to this one, he seemed like he would even accelerate even more so. Um, you just had to be ready to just fight, scratch the which whatever you had to do to try to stay in front of that guy. All right, finally, Richmond, I wanted to get into uh, Tamu, man, Texas A&M, your college. Uh, I, I know you're very close to all the programs. You support uh, a, a lot of um, a lot of what they're doing. Um, can you get into your day with A&M and, and what you enjoyed kind of the most about it when you when you kind of maybe realize that, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a, a real top pick here in the NFL draft, round one, pick nine in 1990. Um, get into your A&M days a little bit. Would you like and uh, some of the big battles that you guys had? Yeah, I think our biggest battle was Texas, um, and I kind of got there in the mid-'80s. And I think the year before, they had one. They ended up going like six and five. Uh, the year before I got there, but my true freshman year is kind of when it really turned around the last few games of the previous season. But we ended up, we went to three Southwest Conference championships. And back then, the winner of the Southwest Conference went to the to the Cotton Bowl. Yep. And we won two, two out of three of those games. We lost Ohio State, but they had a really good team. And uh, I think my senior year, we played uh, out of El Paso at the Blue Bonnet Bowl or Sun Bowl and uh, played against um, Pitt, and they end up they end up beating us. So uh, went to four bowl games out of, you know, fifth my f- freshman year, I was red-shirted, but just played with a lot of great guys that um, was there to kind of witness the turnaround and, and kind of put Texas A&M on the map at that time. Um, I think the thing that really stood out is we beat, I never lost to University of Texas and wow. being from a that's kind of like the Florida State, Miami, mm-hmm. Alabama, Auburn, uh, Ohio State, Michigan, 
uh, USC, UCLA, that type of um, magnitude or that type of intensity as far as the rivalry. And so that's that's one thing that we were really proud of was that we never lost to Texas while I was there. So, And they had some really good teams, but um, to win three Southwest Conference championships, I thought that was that was pretty pretty impressive. So great time there. Still get back for some games and actually got into the uh, college baseball. We went to the World Series and I think we did like a game or two from actually making it into the final World Series. But really proud of those guys. So um, things are good right now, at Texas A&M. Yeah, Jimbo Fisher, a big part of that as well, and he's he, he's starting to get to Nick Saban a little bit, huh? <laughs> Oh, yeah, they, they mixed it up a little bit. I thought they put some gloves on. I thought they <laughs> put some ropes up and let them ropes fall for a little bit. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Definitely looking to that game. It's in uh, Tuscaloosa this year. Yeah. And uh, hopefully it turns into a really good rivalry. But uh, he's been really recruiting his butt off the last few years. We've been, I think, consistently finishing maybe top five or six above. And, and I think that's what you you got to get the kids in there to have an opportunity to get to the college football playoffs and stuff like that. And I think this past year we had the number one recruiting class. So um, it didn't stop. He's excited. He seems like he really loves Texas a He has support and stuff. So hopefully we can um, – we got close a couple of years ago, but hopefully we can get in that college football playoff and we'll see what happens from there. At Richmond Webb on Twitter, football legend, Miami Dolphins great, unbelievable career, 184 games played, 167 of them started, and of course a seven-time Pro Bowler, two-time first-team All-Pro, and a 90s All-Decade team, and for my money, deserves a spot in the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. Richmond Webb, thank you so much, my man. Hey, thanks, Mike. You have a great day, sir.